Old Gold Club. Powered by Blythe Group. With Mikey Burrows and Chris Iwalumo. So hello there. Uh, welcome along to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows. Uh, Chris Iwalumo is along. Are you right? Afternoon. Are you, are you feeling okay today? Yeah, I had a stressful day yesterday. Yeah. You, got, you got the, the he, uh, of it. He phoned me up. Uh, Richard Stearman's here, by the way. All right, Stears. All right, guys. Good to see you. Good Looking amazing as well. Eh? Thank you Just very much. Your- he does. Uh, we'll get to that. Don't you worry. <laughs> we will get to that. Um, yeah, Looms phoned me up yesterday. And he was like, he'd been, he'd sent me some messages about like, I want to do it earlier. I've got other stuff to do. And then he phoned me up. I sent him a message going, oh, we might not be able to do that earlier. And he just phoned me up. And went, I don't care if they can't do it earlier. <laughs> He's a busy guy. Well, if, I'm not he- if I'm not here, we can't carry on, That's can we? It. So it's just like you've got to use that power every now and again. It's not got me anywhere. It's not got me anywhere. I'm still at the time that you, that you suggested. Do you know what I've noticed, week. right? Ever since you did that boxing and now everyone starts calling you the rock, right. you've started. You, there's a lot of testosterone going. You're a lot, a lot more aggressive. Oh, used to be all. a lot of love from you when you came in. You used to cut around the office, <laughs> hugging everybody, giving it all. Now oh. it's like, oh, you're all ready, yeah? This was, I, he came in the office earlier, right? Everybody else was out to lunch, and I was the only one in the office working. He's like, do you not hear me knocking on the door? I was knocking on the door for five minutes, and I had to walk around. Can I say, can I, I'll stop you right here, right? I'm a nice guy, and I've, I've noticed that you're all starting to take advantage of that. And this is why I've had to mix it up a little bit. I'll be honest. I'll be honest, right? I'm walking in the office. The boys, you know what I mean? A bit of banter comes here and there. Yanni's sitting laughing now behind the camera. Josh, where is he? Where is he? What's he doing? On the phone, yeah, chained, shock. But it's just there's no, See? Res- there's no, res- aggr- there's no, there's no respect. He's gone already. There's no respect. There's no respect. A chap in the door today. What are you doing? You're in the office. I was working. Right. Did you hear the chapping on the door? Did you read the message that I? Did you all get the message in the group chat that I, I sent? I'm coming. Uh, I'm parking I up. I now. didn't read the message. Are you I all did, in the office? I, I'll be honest with you, Stairs. I, I did hear the door. I just couldn't be bothered to get up. It was a long way. It's not exactly. Nice, is it? It's not uh, exactly. But he was trying to come in the fire exit. He could have just walked around to main reception. Which I did do. Yeah, exactly. What was the problem? Oh, He's right. so aggressive right how, now. Right. Is that how we're going to start? Do you it? need a hug or something? No, I don't want a hug. I do not want a hug. <laughs> I do not want a hug. Do you want a hug from Stairs? Was he like this when he was a player? Uh, at times. Made him the player he was, though. Likes high standards. So, yes. quite <laughs> 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 is the point. We're watching back. Uh, the, someone put out um, some of the videos of the old debate club that you, oh. David Jones, and uh, Carl Henry used to do. And it is funny because you're exactly the same. Well, it's the, some of the topics, you know, it's like... So, but David Jones and, and Carl, like, they're still very close today. You know, I felt like a bit of a spare part. But like some of the topics, if, I don't know. There's one I think uh, they went out in a, a club, and I think David Jones is sat on chewing gum. I never really knew what was gonna you're gonna pull out the hat, yeah. And this was one of the topics, you know. And it's just like I just had to shoot them down a couple of times. But they were thick as thieves, so it was uh, me against them more often than not. Yeah, and not just on camera either. I imagine in that dressing room, it was an interesting dressing room to be, Stiers. It, it was. It had a, a variety of uh, old heads and, and a lot of young lads, and no, it was good. <laughs> He's so political, <laughs> isn't he? He's giving such That's a what, yeah, political I want, I answer. You see, remember, this is this, the real you here as well. So, what what about that dressing room? Would you say was the the biggest plus points? 
Uh, like I just alluded to there, I think we had that variety, didn't we? We had, we had well, majority of us were sort of younger pros that, that, that hadn't hit the heights yet, that were hungry to hit those heights. And then we had players like yourself that had sort of been there, done that, helping us along the way, Jody Craddock. Um, I think there was just a good, a good mix of, of youth and and slightly older players that um, <laughs> were, were hungry to succeed. And I, we, fortunately enough, we were able to do it in that first season. And we will get into um, the benefits of that squad, I guess, and then kind of what came after that. Because you were at the club for an awful long time. Um, I've known you an awful long time. It, it's kind of a weird one, actually, because I kind of feel almost as if, like, we became more friends towards the end and then when you came back on the loan spell like I knew you beforehand but I probably didn't know you as well in that kind of first period as the second period I guess yeah I get that um I don't know maybe I just wasn't asked to do as much media in the first (laughs) few years no we certainly became a lot closer towards sort of my the end of my first spell and then me being away from the club even and then coming back in my second spell yeah I I agree with you there because do you know what it was for me as well and I put this out on Twitter the other day about weird and random random reasons why you love a certain player because you know Steers with with the best one in the world and you know that I love you to bits in those first couple of years there's obviously lots of players in the team that take the focus and stuff it was in the league one season looms when he grew the most magnificent beard that you've seen for a while and I just, I mean, a lot of the players grew beards in that season, but there's a brilliant photo of, I think it's a crew when. Oh, I mean, the selfie with a. Yeah, 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 where the, the fan comes on the pitch to celebrate the promotion and he's just got this mighty beard and he's like roaring down to this picture that this fan's <laughs> taken. And it's just like, from that moment on, I was like, even on commentary and people picked up on it down the years. I'm like, I'm not having anything bad said about this. <laughs> I love him to bits just for this. You were always a bit of a kind of. Trendsetter, you weren't you weren't kind of afraid to kind of get close to that line every now and again. I'm sure, Ugg boots came out at certain points. Yeah, I knew and this would come. And, <laughs> and leggings and the, the earmuffs and all that. I'm sure. I, I'm sure I can remember you walking in with Ugg boots, black Ugg boots on, grey leggings, and some fluffy earmuffs or something. I can't even remember what it was. And you rock in like you are the main man. Like you you weren't afraid. That's growing some arms and legs. That I'll, I'll give you Ugg boots, but leg, leggings and earmuffs. And no, no, no. <laughs> Listen, it, it gets cold in the winter. I'll drive in in, in a pair of Uggs. Was it thermals? Was it unwet? Was that no, it no, was? no. I think it was just skinny fit oh, jeans geez. or something. Yeah, I mean, leggings. I'll give you, I'll leggings. give you, <laughs> I'll give you the Ugg boots. Uh, I learned quite quickly though not to not to, <laughs> not to wear them in again. They got they got taped up and strapped to the, the, my peg or in the in the. What did we have the hot baths? I think one of them ended up in there. I just used to drive in in them in the end and take them off and then put some, <laughs> yeah, put some so, trainers so on. You still drove in in them? Yeah, for a while. Yeah, for a while. Don't know where they are now. Because you had the, there was a bleach blonde stage, wasn't there? Yeah, I think, yeah, with my hair, I just kind of got bored and just, it just sort of evolved into bleach blonde. Mullet was there for a good while. Big fringe. Bit of length as well. Bit of you? length, yeah. Tried to grow it in the sort of latter stages of my first period at the club it was good to, it was good style that was because the beard went but the hair got longer and longer yeah i think as the beard went i was like right i've done i've done a beard now let's see see what we can do with the hair let's <laughs> <laughs> say so, it just I, I loved it from the moment on that the beard was there and i asked out to people about their kind of random reasons 
why they loved a certain player. Um, Nathan Hale says, Vio Ganea, long injury, scored on his return, and he ran up the stairs in the North Bank, got a yellow, and then was sent off soon after. And from that moment on, he just loved him. Manford said, Ewan Roberts, because he had missing teeth. And at that stage, I was a kid losing my milk teeth and getting adult <laughs> ones that so had matching gaps. Uh, Tommy Guest said, Joachim Bjorklund, because his kids went to the same primary school as me, and he also used to come in to watch us when we had football training on Mondays after school. Miles says, Ronald Zubar, just because I thought his name was cool. Um, Alan Stewart said, Mark Atkins was my favourite player for a while. I just thought he always put in a shift. Uh, Lewis says, favourite player, I love Jack Price because of his beard. Hanneman was class for the USA chant and Stearman for his many hairdos. Uh, Thomas Mason loved John Daddy just for the thunder, thunderclap alone. Kevin Brown says, when I was a kid, I liked Iron Man Joe Wilson just because he was called Iron Man Joe Wilson. He was a fullback in the mid-60s. Adam Lancaster says, if my memory serves me right, Sol was introduced at Molyneux and said, I will score 30 goals this season. And he said he loved him just for that moment. Um, Richard Playfoot says his favourite player was Steve Kindon because he shared a birthday with him, no other reason. Uh, Lucy says, Tamuri Ketsbaya was a favourite of mine because I felt if I didn't like him, he'd kill me with a single look. He used to scare me now. as He used to scare me, don't know why. Also loved Michael Branch because he was extremely drunk at the Player of the Year Awards. I mean, that's a, that's a reason to like a player, I guess. Uh, Josh Dale loved Henri Kamara. His 12-year-old me thought his collar-up, orange boots, and Senegal sweatband get-up looked really cool. I love that. Because it, it shows... I mean, I love it mainly because it shows it's not just me that picks up on these random things. Because I love Pricey for the beard. I love Steers originally for the beard and then the long hair and just the stuff. And then I, then I got to know him more as a person. But it's funny, like, what people pick up on, what fans pick up on. Why do you love me? I, because I mean, I love you. Got a bit left out. <laughs> no, but I love I love you because I know you. But you never always. But when we first met, like we we had it off straight away, didn't we? Yeah, because you've got good banter and stuff, and I can wind you up really easily. But oh. I, <laughs> unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> it's true, though, isn't it? It's true. I, I mean, I've been doing it for about fifteen minutes in this podcast already. <laughs> But no, it was slightly different. I mean, you were like a, a, an old school classic centre forward, so it's it's slightly different because you know people would love bully, people love strikers because they score goals. It's it tends to be other people in other positions that you have weird reasons for liking yeah. them, isn't it? No, fair enough. No, no, I take that. I take that. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's a fair point. Who did you love when you were younger? Oh, there must have been someone that stood out that's got that weird reason. Yeah, but. Ian Wright Ian Wright is one of those for the very I'm a Celtic supporter so I followed Celtic all over the country you know and it's uh, Ian Wright uh, Celtic offered one million for Ian Wright and Mark Bright and then Celtic actually pulled out of the, the move Ian Wright then went from Palace to Arsenal became it's just one of them I used to fly about the school in an Arsenal top you know Obviously, the only black kid at school as well. So, so one of the, Ian Wright or John Barnes, wasn't it? <laughs> but no, Ian Wright it was. Yeah, he's a goal scorer there, isn't he? Yeah. It's not, it's not a random reason to love somebody. Yeah, but there's... there's you look at it, all right. Like, for instance, I used to... I mean, I was probably actually about 20 at the time, but I used to love Lorenzo Amoruso just because of his hair. I modelled my hair on him at uni. Yeah. Seems a running theme with you, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is, though, isn't it? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, Looms didn't have any hair. That's why I didn't love him as a player. Well, that's how I feel. Looms had also. Oh, you did have a little bit, didn't you? With the afros, I had the you had the rolls, the the, 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 the the braids. Yeah, I had also. He's starting to grow his hair back, by the way, Stairs. I can grow. I don't. Like, I I shave, I choose to shave my. I can grow an afro. Probably have the little wing backs, mind you. It'd be the funniest afro ever. Be the wee bit, but please, will you do it? Well, it depends on what you're going to do for me. Well, I get you in on this show every week. <laughs> Right. What would you want me to do? I don't know. What's something we can discuss, isn't it? If you grow an afro, I'll shave my beard. It's the, the hardest bit about it is that after like two, three weeks, when it's at that length, it's and the transition period, yeah, isn't it? Once you get to, once yeah. you get to about what eight weeks, <laughs> from twelve weeks, then you can start. <laughs> my daughter can actually she can actually do the braids and all that now, so it wouldn't be an issue. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll think about it. We just got a great insight into Steer's character then as well, by the way, because you say you have stuck by some <laughs> some choices. Yeah. That, that got, says a lot grind, about you. You've got to grind through it. Yeah, good times and the bad. You got you've got to have an end goal and stick to it. I think. <laughs> I love it. Um, also, by the way, one thing that we needed to clarify with you before we get into the main show, because you were born in Wolverhampton. Yeah. And your dad worked at Banks's. Still does. Still does. Still does. See, yeah. we were having an argument about this earlier, like because I I said to Looms, I didn't presume that he like made the beer. No, he sort of. It's, it's hard to explain what his jobs. He, he works in like the accounts or looks after a few different pubs and around the area. And yeah. I couldn't exactly tell you what he does, but he doesn't brew the beer. But he's uh yeah he's works down the road and has done for many a year. And I think he's sort of coming towards the end of his. Uh, Working career, but um, yeah, he's he's been here for a good good while. See, that's quite cool though. That like your dad worked at Banks's, and then you became a player for Wolves. Yeah, it's quite ironic, really, isn't it? I, I think a lot of the fans kind of forgot that I was born in Wolverhampton, and because you don't sound it. No, I, I mean I, we moved away uh, when I was four or so to Leicester, and uh, got picked up at Leicester when I was ten. Uh, but my dad still worked for Banks's. Um, he he owned um, a couple of pubs, uh, one in. Technol and then um, the field house, which is out past um, the mount. Uh, what's the what's the hotel we used to eat pre match in sometimes? Yeah, the mount. The, the mount. mount. The mount. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, the field house is a pub out past there. Uh, then started working for Banks's, um, and then yeah, has has done ever since. But a lot of uh, my mum's family uh, lived in Wolverhampton. Uh, she went to school here. Uh, lived just off the Pen Road, which is. Um, you know, stones throw away, not too far. So, so yeah, I used to come and come and watch Wolves a little bit when I was a kid. Um, and 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 yeah, quite ironic really that I ended up signing for Wolverhampton twice. Was Wolves your team as a kid? No, it's, it's a funny story. My dad, my dad was uh, born and raised in Manchester, so you know where this is going. <laughs> uh, so I kind of just followed him uh, with United, and then got picked up by Leicester at ten. So we sort of just. Followed Leicester. Oh, you get free tickets. You, you're in and around the, the club. We lived in Leicester, so. But it wasn't until I got a little bit older that I was like, well, you know, I'm born in Wolverhampton. I should, you know, Wolves started doing quite well. I thought I should really be following Wolves. So, got towards the end of, towards the end of secondary school, and I was like, I'll, I'll follow Wolves now a little oh, yeah. bit. And so Leicester and Wolves were kind of my two teams. I'm not an avid fan, you know. You get a lot of sports players that are diehards. I wasn't a diehard as such, but I like to see Leicester and, and Wolves do well. And and then obviously when I signed for for Wolverhampton and fell in love with the club, it's 
kind of my team now. So yeah. Did that make your decision? You know, like as soon as you knew there was there was interest there. It it certainly helped. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at, at the time, and you'll have it when when you're uh, during your career when you've moved clubs, there, there might not just be one team interested in you. At, yeah. the, at the time when I left Leicester, Leicester had got relegated to League One. Um, so they sort of said to me, like, we kind of need the money. We need you out. They didn't have the money that they do now. So I was made available for transfer. Uh, and Wolves and several other teams were interested. And once Wolves came up, then, yeah, obviously it, it, it was a massive draw for me that I'd lived there. I was born there. A lot of my family are from there. My dad works there. It was kind of like, well, this is kind of a bit like fate. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, that's not the be all and end all of why I signed for Wolverhampton. There's a lot more behind that. Wolves is obviously a massive club. Mick McCarthy was a big thing for me coming to the club. He spoke to me several times on the phone. And yeah, that it all kind of just fell into place. It's interesting though, of like, that there are players, there are players in dressing rooms that are still football fans. Avid football fans, yeah. yeah. And it's not, and it's not like there's ever an issue when they play against the team that they support, but they still support that team. There's guys now, I mean, I'm looking, I don't know if I can say this about a certain player at the weekend. No, I'm not going to do it. Uh, we'll edit that bit out. <laughs> you but, find a lot of Scouse boys are really into They are. Into they, they, yes, they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we might just leave that bit in <laughs> and let people work it out themselves. Um, but there's also another player that's in the dressing room that's a massive fan of a London team. And... Like people might have even seen it on his social media and stuff. That it's not a secret, mm -hmm. but and I love that about it. I love that about football. I love the fact that there are because some people it's like a job. Why are you smirking? No, I'm just listening to you. Yeah. Some people it's a job, but some people like still love it all the time. Because I don't watch football all the time when I'm not at games. You know what? It's yeah. You've got every right to go out there and, and support your club, and it is a job. But still, uh, for me, I never went home and watched football every day. You know, you watch the big games, but the, the, the young players coming through today, they know so much about players coming through over in Spain, Italy, playing football manager. And it was one of those things that's... Uh, it's, 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 everyone's got a love for football. You know what I mean? And I think that's why... It doesn't surprise me that there's players here that are up against their team and it's like... It is, it's a bit surreal, really, isn't it? That they're supported this club all their life now they're playing against them you know what I mean and they'll still celebrate if if they get their goal or they it's just part and parcel oh. of football you know it's so here's the test then would you have signed for West Brom having been born in Wolverhampton having your dad worked at Banks's having lived and gone to school on the, the other side of the ring road no isn't it <laughs> what, do you think it is um I mean, the me now and the me before signing, it, it's two, probably two different people. But, I mean, me saying that Wolves was such a big pull, West Brom being West Brom probably would have detracted from my decision, if you see what I mean. I know what you're saying, it, it, It's yeah. like the pros and cons. That would have been an obvious con for me going there. But it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have wouldn't been... Wouldn't necessarily have stopped It wouldn't have stopped me, but it would have made me think twice or weigh it up against another team. Yeah, definitely. Right, so for you, right, and you love you love football. Is football a job? Um, because you you remember now, there's other responsibilities, family, the security, financial security. It is a job, isn't it? We're all human beings, but 
it's you wake up every day and you enjoy and you love what you do as a job. Yeah, I think we're lucky that it is a job that we love the majority of the time. Um, yeah. I think as you get older, certain responsibilities come upon you that uh, it becomes more of a job. So um, we'll probably get onto it when I when I had to leave Wolves the first time round. Um, I didn't want to go. If I was young and single, I might have not gone. But because I've got family that I've got to think about, then yeah. I, I kind of had to. So I think it sort of depends on your circumstance as no, how how yeah. you answer that question. It's good though. It's interesting, isn't it? That is just when you said about the West I mean, to be fair, that we got to that point, having started this off, just talking about his hair. Then this, this is more been, than just the hair. Yeah, it's way more than just the hair. There, there's the title, Josh. That's the perfect one. Right, um, we're going to hear from our sponsors. Uh, this year we are powered by Blythe Group. We'll hear a little bit about them very shortly, and then we'll be into the show proper with Richard Stearman. This season, the Old Gold Club and Walls TV Match Day Live are powered by Blythe Group. An industry-leading construction company and family-run business since 1982, driving investment and infrastructure across the UK. Blythe Group's mission is to provide an unrivaled service based on innovative, bespoke building solutions and comprehensive customer support. If you're a skilled tradesperson and you want to join the team that powers our team, Contact their bases in Wolverhampton, Manchester or Maidenhead via theblythegroup.co.uk. Blythe Group. Big enough to deliver, small enough to care. Welcome along to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows. Alongside me, as ever, is Chris Awelamo. And this episode, we're joined by a man who made 254 appearances across two spells from 2008 to 2017. Two promotions, two relegations. The man who silenced Anfield. Welcome to the Old Gold Club, Richard James Michael Stearman. Not full government name. Yeah. I <laughs> Thanks for that. having me, guys. Thank it's because I've only just found out that's your, your full name. <laughs> Thank you. Both my granddads, James and Michael. I love that. Michael's a great name. Um, we were going we're gonna to talk about Anfield because it's a big part of the story. <laughs> But we kind of have to go back to the very beginning. We've been talking a little bit on our extended podcast, which is available to download in all the usual places, about your kind of origins, the fact that your dad worked at Banksy's, you were born here in Wolverhampton and ended up coming back. And 2008, <coughs> suddenly Mick Lester have gone down and Mick McCarthy says, come here. Never any doubt? No, not really. Like, like we said earlier, uh, Leicester, I got picked up when I was 10, Played first team football from quite a young age, 17. Managed to rack up 150 odd appearances. Unfortunately, went down to, to League One. They needed the money. I wanted to progress my career. So uh, a few teams said they were interested, Wolves being one of them. And, and yeah, jumped at the opportunity to, to join a massive club. At the Tell, same time as him. Yeah, well, obviously, before we're talking about, uh, you, you spoke a couple of times to Mick before you actually joined. What was your impression of Mick McCarthy? Because in the exact same summer, I had many conversations with him. So how did he, what impression did he put on you? 
Um, it's it's funny actually. The first the first time he rang me, I was away on a lad's holiday. I was in Iron Apple with <laughs> with the rest of my youth team. Um, my agent pre warned me. Listen, like this has gone quite far down the line now, so it, it looks like I was going to sign for Wolves. Uh, so he was just like, listen, go, food. go <laughs> make sure you you're sober. Go back to your hotel room. Get in a quiet room, and, and Mick McCarthy's going to ring you. Um, just you know, be yourself, tell him about yourself and what, what you want to achieve, blah, blah, blah. So I get the phone call, Mick rings, um, I'm a bit nervous, he's a, he's a, obviously a top manager. Um, Stoos. Like, <laughs> you know how he is. Um, and yeah, he, 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 he didn't know there was an impression. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not bad, is it? So he, he didn't really need to sell it to me, of course, <clears throat> Wolves is such a massive club. Um, obviously my, my family, we spoke a bit before, I've got a little bit of history with the city and, and yeah, it's just something that I, I really wanted to, to, to be a part of. And, and like I say, he didn't have to, to sell the club to me or, or anything along those lines. It was sort of when I'm, when I'm back off, off holiday, I'll, I'll, I'm signing and, and that was it and the rest is, the rest is history. Right, I'll ask you something then, right? So centre-back or full-back, you, a good footballer, can play anywhere. You probably play midfield. Probably have done. Uh, is that would you say that's a negative as a footballer? Because you found it hard to kind of break in earlier on because you could just go and utility. You can play here, there, and everywhere. What would you say now? Would you say that if you had the opportunity to do that again, you would nail down and say, "Look, I'm not playing full back. I'm a centre back." Or um, initially, no, I thought it, it, it helped me. Go, growing up through youth team, I was always centre half. Um, obviously, playing against lads sort of my age and a few years older, like I could I could hold my own. But coming into a man's world at seventeen, playing against someone like yourself, you know, you'd, you'd end up bullying me. Um, so I got pushed out to right back on becoming a first team player, which was a bit difficult because I I never really played there. I wasn't I wasn't trained or educated yeah. as a fullback. I was a centre half. I, I played England youth team as a, as a centre half. That was that was my position. Um, but I understood that in order to survive or, or play, I had to evolve a little bit and be a right back. Um, and playing for Leicester, I did I did play a lot at, at fullback. Um, although when I joined up with the national team, I was back to centre half or if I played in the reserves, I was centre half. Um, and Mick, that was one of the things Mick spoke to me about. He was like, "Listen, I've, I've seen you play a lot um, in the reserves and at fullback, but I want you to be a centre half. You're coming here as a centre half." So I was like, "Perfect, that's music to my ears. I, I wanted to be a centre half." And, um, but as it transpired at Wolves, I sort of played quite a little bit at fullback, um, whether that be on the right. I, I managed to. I played five or ten games at left back. Yep. Um, and it was, you know, you know yourself. You'd you'd do anything for Mick. He was like, "Listen, I need you. I need you to play fullback." I was like, "Not a problem, Gaffer. I'll I'll play there for you." But eventually, I wanted to transition into centre half. And I think as my time at Wolves sort of evolved, I moved away a little bit. Certainly after the Premier League season or or, or the the last Premier League season, um, I sort of established myself at centre half. I thought, and I think. I rarely sort of, I rarely played right back since since then. That's the thing that you by the time you nailed down being a centre half, things had started to go badly on the yeah. for the team. Yeah, and unfortunately for myself, yeah, it just it just kind of happened that way that um you know Mick Mick like liked a centre half out there, didn't he? He liked to be quite defensive minded as it were and um we we did have some some 
great fullbacks, better fullbacks than than me. Um, but yeah, I, I found myself out there there quite a little bit, which you know wasn't wasn't a problem for me initially. Like I, as long as if I'm out there, like I'm not I'm not bothered, and I'll I'll, I'll do a job for Mick. What, whatever he needs from me, I'll, I'll play wherever he wants. And um, but I did see myself as as a centre half, and that's where I wanted to play. I felt that was that was my best position. Um, and yeah, I think in that in that final sort of season in the Premier League, um, I think it's the it's the most I've played. Uh, in the Premier League appearance-wise that season and they were all generally at, at centre-half. Because you look at the, your appearance numbers, I mean, you made 40 appearances in that first season of the promotion and then 18 in the first year in the Premier League. And and then after that, it's actually, you know, in the high 30s, you were kind of that regular from it. I guess, is there sometimes a feeling that because you were a youngster when you joined... And because you've been a, a bit of a utility man and able to play in other positions, that you kind of get overlooked a bit and people take you for granted a bit. Yeah, um, I mean, you can do maybe from a perspective of, of starting games. If you're if you're nailed on one position, you're either in or you're out, aren't you? You either <laughs> yeah. start or you, you don't. Whereas a utility man, you're always involved. So I want to be involved all the time. So whether that's if I'm starting or I'm on the bench, as long as if I'm in and around it because of my utility maybe that's why I've racked up so many appearances because I can come on in several different positions um, but but yes I mean like I've said many times I want I wanted to be a centre-half and, and you know that's where I've sort of found myself the last decade or just under of my career You said there about you would do anything for Mick and it's something that's probably been echoed by every player that's, that's played under him why, why what effect did he have on you then so why because I'd say the exact same, but for you personally, what? Why would you do that for him as a manager? I think because of the respect that he had of not just me, but I think ninety nine percent of the players you that Mick that have played under Mick um, that he sort of had. I mean, he he is that father figure. He is he is dad to a lot of us. I mean, if how many managers will you see now and still call Gaffer? <laughs> yeah, I know Mick, what you mean. Mick, yeah. yeah, and and that's probably it for me, bar maybe one or two, and I think yeah, just just that general respect he had. Um, I think it's strange, even for players that weren't in the team, you know, they still liked or respected Mick, which is rare for players. If you if you if a manager's not playing you, you you do not like that manager but with Mick it was different we all we all had a common goal we all were pushing together um and and yeah he was that that father figure I think not just for me but for yeah. for most of the players he brought in because can we talk about that first season because it's interesting when Carl Henry was in he you know what I'm gonna say he always says that that team doesn't get the credit it deserves because of what happened in the following years compared to the 2003 team probably compared to the 2018 team that did it in their own way as well what do you think of that I don't I, I agree with Carl I'm afraid it's I think it's it's um, it's hard for the players in that sort of era to um, to take that you know we we had done so well and I think it's hard maybe for for the players to to say otherwise as well so I, I remember listening to to Matt Murray's one and you know they had fantastic experiences in their own right and we should all have probably been celebrated on the same sort of sort of level yeah. um maybe that's a bit unfair but I, I think no. I think 
the the museum thing got to the squad a little bit. I think Carl saying how little coverage that that team kind of received. Um, I don't know. It's a difficult one for that team to sort of swallow. Um, I don't know. I don't know what are your thoughts on it. Well, do you know what? I was having this debate with Michael Kiteley the other week, and I was saying like. The museum thing is a thing where, because um, it, it was built around that time, wasn't it? It was like 2010, 11 kind of time when it kind of came through. And you guys were all still playing. So you weren't going to go in the museum when your achievement only happened two years ago. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's like, still past experience, wasn't yeah, it? It's still like like achievement, isn't it? Yeah, but well, like, they're going to change it now then and put well, the... Well, why the put anything in? at all? Was it not just a poster? No, no, no. just a poster that was put in the, well, the, the promotion there was, school. There was, look, I'm not, I'm not here to defend the museum. <laughs> I didn't build the museum. But my view was that like I could understand why there wasn't a big deal made of your group at that time. Now there might be an argument to make a big deal. Yeah, maybe because it was, it was so fresh, maybe... Um, the, the team that came up through the I mean the stats don't lie do they? The, the team that came up through the playoffs came straight back down the the, the our team won the league stayed up <clears throat> so that, you would have thought they'd have got a little bit more uh, recognition but I mean is that just being a little bit bitter I don't I know think on, I think on the date of the the museum coming that was when Wolves were on a, a decline wasn't it so again it's it's one of them giving credit to a squad of players a great squad of players when things aren't going great would probably rub a few people in the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, I say, I, I still think that a massive part of it is that because so many of you are still playing, that, you know, you don't go into the museum until your kind of time has, has passed a little bit because the museum celebrates the club's past, whereas you were the club's present mm -hmm. at that time. And I, I say that's just my view on it. I understand why some of you feel uh, frustrated by it, and I especially because that 08-09 season kind of gets overlooked sometimes in the realms of just how good I mean this big guy scoring goals in the early part of it and the way that that campaign evolved coming out of a year beforehand that hadn't been that great especially like scoring goals missed out on the playoffs on goal difference and then the way you boys took to it made such a difference yeah I think uh Mick McCarthy, I guess, has experience again. He knew exactly what the squad needed. You know, I remember we went away to, uh, we played Burton in the, the pre-season game. I remember Kites, after the match, he called it. He, was, he says, we're going up this year. It's just weird when you think, he says, we've got everything, we can bully teams, we can play football. And we did, we just went, we, we played an expansive game that, that we just we we knew that we just had goals coming from everywhere, you know, with the quality that we had. You know, we never feared anyone. I don't think that season, you know, it was there was some big teams, but we were, we were I think we started well, unbeaten, and just we just just hit the floor running, really, you know. So it was always yeah, going gonna... to. I don't begrudge the 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 playoff team getting the amount of hype they do, or the team currently they deserve every accolade they get yeah. because they're unbelievable. It's just maybe that oh eight oh nine team should get a little bit more to. Even out. Well, maybe. as I say, there is always an issue because the 0809 team, many of them were part of the decline. And the big question that we always ask to any of you guys that come in that were part of it is why? What happened? Why did it drop off in, in such a such a way? Um that's a tough one, isn't it? I mean the the Premier League's obviously the best league in the world and um it's it's tough for, for anyone and then we, we lose Mick 
when we're still doing all right and it, it, it then becomes a, a tough task for TC in the squad and we're kind of on a downward slope from there with uphill battle as it were after that um, it's, it's a hard one isn't it we chopped, chopped and changed we bought in Stollard he, he tried to play a certain way bought in players then there's still a lot of players there that are from mix regime and TC still hanging about the club and the Stoller really want him there no so it, it was kind of a, it was a weird season it was it was it was tough um, I ended up going out on loan in, in the January and no I don't think anyone envisaged that we would go down but we were certainly going to struggle I think and yeah it, ultimately it, it ended up we got got relegated you know the Mick thing was that a massive shock to to this, the group of players because like you say they look at him as a father figure but when, when he went and he was probably rightfully and probably in hindsight if they kept him in that was that was a probably chance of a, or are you or is, was it that bad so if, if you're saying that then it was that 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 action of him being let go was 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 probably the right thing then I and uh, listen this opinion about me and my views I I think that it's interesting that you're not the only player who said that you would have had a better chance if Mick had yeah. stayed Million because from the outside there will be fans who will say that you weren't winning games at the time but when he got the were we 17th maybe You'd, I mean I think the, the win at QPR had come which ended a, a really barren run but then obviously the Albion game happened yeah I mean when the Albion game happens we're all thinking oh like yeah this could go one way here Mick could be getting the boot but we didn't want that as a squad or 99% I'm sure there was one or two players that maybe weren't playing that might have but as a squad we we didn't want that so we were hoping that he wouldn't go so I think after after we had the meeting and Mick was like well that's that's me guys I'm I'm gone and, and we're all just sat there in, in silence and shock and TC's there and he's getting emotional and and as soon as the meeting finished with Jez and, and you know it's sort of like right lads let's just continue as, as what you're doing and we're like it's a real body blow that Mick's yeah. gone he's, he, he has built that team all of us in there were playing for Mick and the club we were here because of Mick and um, like I said he was that father figure I think ev every one of that that team straight after that meeting went upstairs to mix office knock on the door you know thanks for everything like we gutted for you we, we didn't want this to happen and i've never had that as a as a player throughout my career where uh you know a manager had meant so much to a team so it was a tough you know it's a tough period and then for for terry i mean you know a, a great experience for him to become a manager but it was a, it was a tough ask for him to you know, if, I remember listening to his podcast, and it was like, if if he couldn't do it with with Mick, how was he going to do it on his yeah. own? So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a tough, tough period. But I would have definitely said that we, we had a better. And even if we go down, who's better to bring us back up than Mick yeah. with with that team? No one. It's Mick. So, I mean, so on a bit on on to you now. Like, so after relegation in the championship, new manager comes in. You're not really in favour, but again, the ultimate professional, you just keep chapping at the door, doing what you can in training. How difficult was that? Because obviously you, you had the opportunity then that you had to go leave a club that you've been at for many years, had great success. So how difficult was that period for you then? Really tough. Um, I remember Stoller came in 
and we were in Ireland. Where the, what was the hotel we used to pre-season at Carton House, was it? In Dublin. So he comes in, um, has a meeting with everyone, come in, sit down. I uh, like so. Where do you see this season going? Like, where do you want to play? I know you've played a lot of centre half and, and right back. And I said, centre half. I'm a centre half. I've I've had to play quite a bit of full back, but I, I want to play centre half. I've just seen out a Premier League season at centre half, and he's like, oh, yeah, quite a few boys want to play centre half. You're gonna you're gonna play right back, and and straight away I was like, I, 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 that's not my. I want to play centre half, and it. Uh, Instantly, it caused a little bit of friction. I think Zubar had gone in and said he wants to play centre half. We we got Raj, we got Berra. I was I'm thinking to myself like I might not I might not really play too much here, and um, and then a few things happened throughout the season. Um, Stoller's chopping between me and Foles. Um, I'm in and out of the team, and um, you know certain things happen. Like I'm a big believer of if if a team wins. They probably deserved a chance to play the next week. Something happened. We'd, we'd beaten Ipswich maybe away, got a clean sheet. I'd done really well, played fullback. Comes to the next game, names the team. I'm I'm not playing. And, and that's the only time I've really fallen out, I would say fallen out with the manager. I went to see him and just, you know, lost my temper a little bit and I, I regretted it. And, and I've never done that again with, with another manager and it kind of just tarnished our relationship a little bit and um, you know it was a frustrating period for myself because Wolves, Wolves was my team and I wanted to play and I wanted to help and we'd just been relegated and then we're not performing well and you know Mick's gone and I, I want to be out there I want to I want to fight for the club I want to play I want to win points I want to get us back up the league and I wasn't really getting that opportunity and um, and then Stoller gets the sack yeah. Dean Saunders comes in, and I think okay, okay, maybe I could get a little bit of a fresh start, and you know, and and, and the same sort of thing happens again, and and you know, I wasn't really involved, and um, you know, a, f- a few things were said to me that didn't quite happen, so I, I thought, you know, if and then Mick rings and says, listen, I need, I need you to come and play for me, so, you know, that transpires into to me, to me going to. To join Ipswich, you said there that you that you were in and, and got angry. Now then, you followed that by saying, "I wanted to play. Uh, this is the position I wanted to play." You know, how can you how can that meeting go wrong? So you know, you felt yourself that you stepped across the line. Then you said you got angry, but as a manager, if you're not picking a player, you should expect him to be chapping on the door. Well, I think that's I think that comes from how we all experience Mick. How he was with with we've all sort of grown up with him and yeah. how he acts with his players and his man management and he's he's by far the best manager I've had at at that. So uh, yeah. you know yourself. Friday morning comes and TC's the Grim Reaper. He's coming round <laughs> yeah. and he's he's poking his head round. Oh, have you seen Steers? And I'm I've got my head like this trying. To, if he don't if he doesn't tell See? me, he can't drop me. Do you know? What I mean? So <laughs> so Mick Mick was great. Like he would be like, listen, Steers, I'm going with. Such if it was if it was me at that point, I'm, I'm you know, Foles is playing, Bear is playing in there today. Um, you know, you've been great. Just keep doing what you're doing. You'll get your chance. Blah blah blah. And then when it it, it goes the complete opposite way, and I think, um, you know, Stoller had his ways, and, and communication maybe with the players wasn't. He he felt that he didn't have to do that, which is fine. Like he's got his principles, so. I just, you know, growing up with Mick and being used to to Mick, and 
sharing the same sort of principles it was tough for me then um you know to take and and you know i like i said that's probably one of my biggest regrets is just that one conversation i've had with a manager um and i've tried to be um more professional since since that and just you know prove people wrong other than you know air my frustration straight off the bat yeah in a way was you being away from the club for that six months actually a slight blessing because when the second relegation happens and Kenny comes in, an awful lot of your former teammates get swept into the bomb squad that we had Roger Johnson on and talking about it in a previous episode. But you didn't. It was kind of you and Dave Edwards were the two that survived, really. I wouldn't call it a blessing because I didn't want to see Wolverhampton relegated. Yeah, of course. Um, so, you know, I've gone, I've gone out on loan... Um, to play and to play for a, a manager I want to play for, um, you know, obviously that I respect and and whatever. Not that I didn't respect Stoller. I'm just saying I wanted to, to you know, if if, if I was going to leave for anyone, it was Mick. And at the time, Ipswich were bottom of the table, and, and that didn't bother me because I wanted to just play and I wanted to, you know, be with Mick again and, and whatever. So, um, so on leaving Wolves, that wasn't in my thought plan that oh, like they're not doing great they're going to get relegated I just wanted to go out and play some games but as it was transpiring Wolves ended up struggling and you know it's, it's it was frustrating for me because I wanted to be there and help and play and um, not saying that I I would have changed anything being back but I know that you know it, it probably meant a little bit more to me than, than possibly some of the other players and and yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't want to be out on loan. I wanted to be at Wolves, and, and like yeah. I said, I wanted to be a part of it and help. But what, what did Kenny say to you then? So was it made very evident that you were in his plans? Yeah, definitely. It, as soon as Kenny came in, um, I didn't quite know where where I was going to stand. The club have gone down, but I've not kind of been a part of that. So um, am I going to get tainted with the same brush? But Kenny uh, was the opposite, really sort of said, listen, like you've gone out, you've done well on loan, I want you here, I want you to to, to play. Although at the time, um, it was a little bit up in the air because it potentially, because I'd done well at Ipswich, they might have wanted to sign me or I might have gone elsewhere. But he sort of, you know, said, I, I would like you to play. I understand there's, you know, other things going on in the background, but if you're here, you, you will play. We're going to come back to a lot of that in the League One season um, on our podcast extra which is available to download from all the usual places well worth listening to for much more from Richard Stearman I just very quickly want to get onto this whilst we're on our Facebook and YouTube and social media show on you then when you leave so you've had a couple of years back in under Kenny and you you were player of the year and then suddenly four games into the campaign you're gone. And I remember that day because you were on the front of the programme. That's how little the media team knew that you were going to go. You were the main part of the programme that day. And, but you weren't. I turned up at the ground and it was like, you're not going to believe this. He's not in the team. Yeah. What happened? Where do I start? I mean, I remember at the back end of that season, I was driving to Telford for the player awards night that we do. And on my way, I get a phone call from my agent. Um, and I'm thinking, oh, he's wishing me good luck. Because I was nominated for a couple of awards. I've just come off the back of a great season. I'm up for player of the season, both players, player. And and um, 
he said, listen, I've, I've got Fulham uh, being quite persistent with me. I, I think there might, something might happen here. They might put a bid in. I was like, no, nah, like, shut up. I'm, I'm just about to potentially pick up an award here. I've had a great season. I'm like, not interested. Um, I'll give you a call after the, after the awards. And it just kind of didn't really go away. And you know how football works. Yeah. Out of the three parties, buying club, selling club, player, two out of those three have got to be sort of willing to make, to do something. And then, uh, uh, sort of persuade the third to to jump on board. So this kind of didn't go away all summer. So Fulham are obviously keen. I'm not that keen. So something must be happening in the background. Walls potentially giving Fulham a green light that yeah maybe at the right price steers would be available. So I come back in from the season and it's still not really gone away. My agent's like no, they're still kind of on on the phone to me Some, something's happening in the background and yeah started off the season I was club captain Danny Dan, not club captain I was standing skipper Danny was injured at the time um, we started well I'd, I'd managed to pick up those awards and then uh, Kenny pulls me in before that game um, pulls me into his office I was like oh here we go Like he's, he's dropping me or something he says listen the, the board have accepted a bid for you from Fulham and um, I was like well so I, I don't want to go. I, that doesn't that doesn't interest me. It's like, listen, the, the board of Jez has been on. The board have been on. They've accepted the bid. Um, and at the time, I was in the last year of my contract, but I had an option year in the club's um, favour. So Kenny Kenny says to me, "Well, I don't really want you to go either. So I'll I'll, I'll tell I'll give the board a ring now um, and let them know." And I said, "Listen, like." Just give me my option year. I was I was getting offered much better money at Fulham and more years. Just give me my option year. I'm happy. I don't want to go. I just want to stay here and play. And he says, right, I'll ring the board. And uh, it came back to me. Listen, they they want the money. They they want to sell you. Um, you won't get your option year even if you stay. So it's probably in your best interest to to go and speak to Fulham. So I was like, wow, um, I didn't know where to go from that. I rang my missus, she's crying down the phone. We're sort of like, don't really know what to do here. Do we? So that's that's sort of how it how it transpired. And what I said to you before before on air, I think if I was if I was younger and without my wife and children, then you know I might have sat tight, and you know I would have been on a free then anyway. But you know. I've, You've got to think about yeah. other things and, and family and <coughs> and yeah, like that's no slight on Fulham because it, it's a great club and it's a big club and I'm you know it's it, I was lucky that they wanted to have me playing for them. It was just at the time you know I didn't I didn't want to leave Wolves. I was playing some of the best football of my life and I was you know picking up awards and we were playing quite well. So you know that that's just the way it goes in football. But um, you know it wasn't wasn't something I particularly wanted to do at the time. No, I mean that period because Sacco had gone that summer and hadn't really been replaced, and then you go, and I, I don't think Bennett was that happy at the time, and obviously would eventually leave in the January, and it just felt like a team who had been on the verge of the playoffs the season before dissipated went in an instant yeah it was a shame it was a shame how it transpired I mean every player has their price doesn't they and, and Fulham hit the price that managed to, to get me out that's just that's just the way football is I mean that did I want to leave no 
Um, you know, if you ask Sacco, he he loved Wolverhampton as well. I mean, it was it was a it was a, it was a good team. It was we were doing well. We'd done well the previous season. And yeah, I mean, it just it just didn't quite work out that way, did it? And, and people make decisions, life changing decisions, and it, it, it's just the way football is. The Old Gold Club, powered by Blythe Group, official partner of Wolverhampton Wanderers. So that was the show on with the podcast. It's really interesting because uh, I'm pretty sure it was Charlton at home was the day that that all kicked off. And as I say, I remember turning up and getting told, you're not going to believe this, Stiers ain't playing, he's leaving. And I, I'm, I think, because we won that game 2-1, and I think that, I, I'm pretty sure I saw you in the tunnel afterwards. Yeah, I came to the game. Uh, me and my missus just felt, you know, we'd, we'd been here so so long, we'd made so many friends, not just players-wise, but the, the guys in the tunnel, the the parking guys, you know, we we wanted to just come and, you know, I wasn't able to say bye to sort of the fans as it works. It kind of just bang, you're, you're gone in the week. Um, but, you know, people behind the scenes, before I moved down to Fulham, you know, come to the game, watch the lads while sort of hiding in the players' lounge and, and get to say goodbye to a few people and then, you know, that's it. That's it, me out the door. Because, yeah, because I, I, I seem to remember, I think he said to me, like, yeah, I don't want to go, I'm not going to go. And I kind of left and thought, yeah, he ain't going to go. And then it was like a couple of days later, he's like, he's gone. And then I remember we caught up with you at Fulham when Wolves went down there to play a game. And I remember having this conversation with you outside and stuff. And it was like, it was so weird. It was so weird seeing you. It was a bit like a... a uh, it sounds terrible, but it was like a bereavement when you left because you had a... Spe- this sounds stupid as well. He had a, such a specific car parking space at the training ground that was like the best space <laughs> that anybody had because it was the one that, on the end. And I remember like Josh, who's over in the back, used to nick it loads. We'd like we'd try and turn up on a, on a week and try and get that space <laughs> on press conference day because nobody, for a while, nobody parked in it because it was respect. your space. That's yeah. That's, respect, yeah. that's true though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he's laughing at the back he knows that he nicked it because he's precious about his car but like it, it was your space yeah it, it felt like it as well not not just for me but for like the rest of my family as well it was it was like a, a little bit like a bereavement it was you know it was, it was what we all loved and, and wanted to do and, and be a part of but it just didn't transpire that way so on, on the other side of that then so when the opportunity came up to come back how are you feeling well just, uh, over the moon, jumped at it. My my missus was crying again, but <laughs> happy tears this time. It was it was, you know, it, I had a tough time at Fulham a little bit. Um, I I'd, without speaking too much about it, I'd played a lot for the manager, and then he gets the sack, and then I have about three interim managers, and then the current no not the current manager Jokanovic comes in and wants to change the team, and I, I find myself out the team, uh, and I'm down in London on my own kind of thing. My my life is up here so my, my wife and my children are, are sort of in life up here and um, by the end of the season the manager sort of says listen I'm I, you know that they showed me a lot of respect to be fair I've got a lot of time for how they dealt with it um, you know I wasn't group three I was you're as, if you're here you're a first team player you will train with the first team um, but if something comes up you are free to go so I was like okay fine um, Trained really hard through the summer, come back, do really well in all the fitness testing, train hard, um, not particularly involved with games as such. And then, yeah, get the call from my agent. You wouldn't guess, you wouldn't believe it. I've got um, Kevin Thelwell on the phone, Wolves would 
like to take you back? Would you would you be interested? Would you can I was like, come on, mate, that like this is a dream come true. Of course, I'll do whatever, whatever it takes, sacrifice whatever, money wise. I'm not interested. Just get me, get me back, get me back home. And 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 yeah, it was happened happened really quickly. I think I got a little bit lucky in that um, it was sort of the start of the Fosun money yeah. era and. They bought in a couple of players, and they were after a centre half. I, I don't remember his name, but quite a quite a big Portuguese centre half, which fell through. Needed another another centre half, and and Kev Thelwell's obviously put my name forward. I think he came to watch me. I play. I, I actually captained Fulham in a cup game. Um, we beat a Premier League team at Craven Cottage. I, pl- I happened to play really well. And I'm not knowing that he was in the crowd, but in the back of my head, I'm thinking I'm in a shop window here. I've got to play well. Luckily enough, Kevin was there knew me obviously from my time um and he put my name for so i've got him to be forever thankful for for bringing me back in the board for bringing me back again and and yeah to get that phone call it was oh i couldn't wait to speak to my missus i was like you never guess what i'm i'm coming back and you know it's a funny old game isn't it yeah. I, I leave and then a year later i come back and Brilliant. And, and yeah, the, the first game back was was very special for me. Um, really emotional as well to hear my song go up and you know the the roar from the South Bank when my name gets cheered. I was like, I was welling up. I'm welling up now thinking about it. It was amazing. And and yeah, to have all my family there and be back and you know it's great. I was going to say about that reaction when you first went back out there because you're not always had you're not always been universally popular. With a certain group of fans, I guess you know. Not, Probably no still not now, but yeah, yeah, yeah no. But, to 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 come sort of full circle and and yeah, to to not just not just that, but I didn't get to. I've said it before. I didn't get to say goodbye to the fans, and now now I'm back, and to to be so well received um, coming back. Not a lot of players would get that, and that yeah. was that was a big thing for me, and that was that was yeah, real real proud moment. Yeah, it was hard though, wasn't it? It was difficult. In that that season, that season, I mean, yeah, I think I only played a couple of games, and then um, the the boys did well. I think I I picked up a little injury, gone to Newcastle. I think Dom and and Courtney played together. It might have been a cup game, or we might have played them back to back, or something. Anyway, and they'd done really well, and they deserved to carry on playing. And I just sort of found myself out of the team or on the bench again, which, you know. I'm back at Wolves. It doesn't really matter. Like obviously, I want to play, but. and then Walter obviously goes, and Rob comes in, and then um, Paul Lambert comes in, and is like, "This, listen, you're gonna, I need you to play. You're gonna play." And I, I think I saw out the, the his time here, and yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a great season, was it? But um, it, it never felt like Walter really knew. I mean, I loved Walter to bits. I've I've gone on record before as saying he, with me, he was absolutely fantastic. It never felt like he quite knew what his best team was. Because there was a lot of players that came in, so there was a lot of tweaking. You mentioned like Dom Iorfa suddenly was in at centre half for a little bit, then he was kind of back out at right back, and it. Yeah, I think it was it was a strange time, wasn't it? I think, uh, with all due respect, Fosum are kind of new to to football. I, I might be I might be wrong in saying that, but they it just felt that they were getting pushed players, and it, it you know we ended up with a, a massive squad and a lot a lot of change, and it it just didn't like you say Walter didn't quite really know his his starting team, and it kind of just didn't click, did it? And um, I mean, it was so, it was so big. Like, did he rely on like experience of of the squad, certain players in the squad? You know, obviously, as a manager, you've got to kind of set the, the stall. No, and do, no, not really. And that's why, so you you come as a ex- experienced player, then, aren't you? And it's like uh, he comes in, and he's 
I think a manager he has to he has to have the, the kind of the, the dressing room govern itself, no matter what he's getting pushed. I mean that dressing room. I say, Steve says like there was there was literally no spare lockers. No, I mean I'd, I'd like, only yeah. left I'd only left a year ago, and the place had completely changed personnel wise, and yeah. the whole feel around the club had completely shifted. And yeah, you know, I come back into the dressing room thinking, oh, get me old, old place back and my old car park space, and no, everything had changed. There was there was so many new faces and. Um, you know, I think the club suffered a little bit at the start because of that, because they didn't quite find the right balance. Yeah. Um, obviously, that you know, it's gone on to amazing things now. But mm. at the start, it didn't quite work. Um, but then it progressed, and it and it did. But we also had one of my favourite ever days commentating on the team was that day at Anfield in the FA Cup because you'd got through Stoke in the round before, which was a good performance. I think Doc scores a wicked free Doc kick. Scores, yeah. Costa scores a great goal in that game. Uh, Morgan Gibbs-White made his debut in that match. And I think Mike Williamson had come back from injury. And it was, it was all kind of good at that time. And But you go to Anfield, and it was our first time in the new stand. Keems is doing commentary with me and Tomo Looms. And what, three minutes in? <laughs> I think probably quicker than that, Mikey, to be honest. <laughs> it was kind of our first attack, wasn't it? So maybe it was one and a half, I'll give you one and a half, two minutes, maybe, something like that. Boys will tell you. Come on, take us through it. Well, sort of, I think the cup was the shining light of that season, wasn't it? It was kind of what we were hanging on to. The, the season was sort of petering out, it wasn't going great. Um, other than that, Morgan making his debut, Helder was a shining light of that season. And the cup, I didn't actually play in the Stoke game the round before he'd left me out. I was playing in the league yeah. side and he, he was shifting the players around a little bit. And yeah, I remember, I remember, um, it's funny, I was playing next to Courtney and we get we get uh, a free kick wide early on. And 53 seconds. I told you, it was miles <laughs> off it. It felt like longer. <laughs> so. I mean, it must have taken you longer than that to get up. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Settled there, come on. <laughs> I nearly got a reaction. Yeah, I nearly got him, didn't I? Uh, anyway, I, I remember uh, me and Courtney are coming up for, for the free kick and I say to him, like, go on, go and name, make a name for yourself, go and score. And funnily enough, it was it was me. It was I, I can still see the ball coming in. Held has swung a beautiful ball in and, and I'm just free on my own. They've just not picked me up. And I just remember just keep it, you know, other side, keep it low, aim for the other fast stick, bang, hits the ground, goes in. Scored. I've scored at the cop for for Wolves. In I was amazing, and I've just I've just wheeled off. Give it the Shearer cello, and <laughs> you know that that's it. And that'll live with me forever. It was it was oh, it's the, my best moment on the on the pitch. I, oh, fuck, it was amazing. It is iconic because you run a long way in that celebration as well. I get quite far. Then I I think back to myself. Should I have just carried on? Get down to the Wolves fans. I, I don't know. And the boys just all caught me up in the end. And 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 yeah, it is, it is what it is. And we managed to hold on, which made it made it even better. So it's the look on your face in the celebration as well, which is like it's not like a big smile like I've scored. It was like. Yeah, of course I am. Yeah, it's like I, I was meant to do it. Yeah, it was, that was the plan all along. Else. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where that's come from. I, uh, I don't know. I, I used to like Eric Cantona. Maybe he had that sort of cell, cell, sort of facial expressions. I don't know. It just kind of it just it, happened. goal scoring wasn't your thing. 
No, I mean, like, I didn't get. Man, I've, I've had a score a few, Mikey. You, can't. <laughs> you really haven't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think at that time I'd gone about two or three years or something without yeah, yeah. scoring. You'd scored, um, basically, you scored one in your first shot. season, one in your second season, one in the third season, then non- nothing in the fourth, one in the fifth, two in the League One season, and then you didn't score. And despite the fact you were player of the year, you didn't score at all in that season. I think they've, they just dried up in my Wolves career. Previous and post, I knocked a few in. But yeah, so that's just another another thing. It, it took me a while to, to get back on the score sheet. But, you know, it's probably the best goal I've scored. So I, I, it was worth the wait. It was a great game. Fantastic. It was, wasn't it? It was, it was you know, we'd, we'd had a game plan. Paul had set us up really well, counter-attacking. We had... Um, you know the the team two counter attack teams that held Acosta was unbelievable that season and and yeah we we soaked up a lot of pressure and and headed and blocked everything uh, you know defensively we were superb not just as a, as a defence but the boys in front of us and you know Andy Weiman you know running all day long and, and yeah it was just yeah it, it, what a day because there were I think nine thousand. Wolf supporters there, like filled up, obviously the one end kind of round, like the noise in the place was just incredible. The fact that even like at 2-1, like John Daddy goes on this incredible run. Yeah, nearly scored, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was like, honestly, and I've never, I, I mean, we've experienced some incredible days since, don't get me wrong, but that, because uh, the, the way it had come from the season before had been, kind of so down like yeah. to commentate on them. I think there were four goalless draws in a row at home and stuff and every it felt everybody needed that day yeah everybody needed it that release and it honestly it was I remember the final whistle going and Keems was just like I want to get downstairs like honestly he says <laughs> yeah. on air yeah. we're trying to do the commentary and Keems went I want to go downstairs and throws his headphones off and goes down and it's like about five six levels to get downstairs and they were all because they were still building the stands so it was like the dressing rooms were like porter cabins yeah, porter underneath cabins the stand the back, yeah, weren't they really strange setup wasn't it but who, who cares it was, <laughs> yeah because <laughs> this is the thing right Looms so we did we get in there and we're kind of doing the stuff and um Steers comes out to do an interview and we just hugged. Yeah, we just hugged for a while. Didn't we? <laughs> we just hugged. It was the most bizarre thing. You must Liverpool people must have been walking past going like, all right, what <laughs> an FA Cup fourth round. What's with these guys? But it just it was such I, a I moment. Think it, yeah, it meant more to me than just just a goal. I think it was um, you know, being back playing for Wolverhampton, I hadn't scored. I, I remember saying to you when I when I came back, I was like, right, I'm determined to score in the wall shirt again. I, I want that feeling. And to do it at the cop in at Anfield, and we win, and it, it it meant a lot more than to me than just a goal. And I think that embrace kind of, you know, summed it up. There's a family and all that there as well. Yeah, my old man and his brother, they were in there. They were in there. That's what I'm saying. You know, I look back and I think, oh, I should have got down to the uh, to the to the Wolverhampton supporters. Yeah, but no, that. to have them there as well, you know, obviously it's it was nice. Your dad would have liked that. Huh? Yeah, he loved it. Yeah. <laughs> what was um? Uh, how did that compare? To breaking the record for points in a season in League One. Um, in fact, how does the League One compare to the winning the championship? It's the League One. We were kind of expected to do what we did, and we had such a good team that not saying that that wasn't an achievement. It, it just I think other achievements for me were on a higher pedestal. So we were in, we were incredible that League One season, yeah. and 
Um, myself personally, I thought I, I had a good season. The team played well. We were that far ahead of everyone else. Yet League One, done and dusted. We we polished that off. I think with the with the Championship winning team, you know, in house we were we we were confident. But outside of that, it, you know, we weren't particularly expected to go and win a league. Um, so that was that was nice. That was that was up there for me. And then on a personal note, the the Anfield, yeah, that's yeah, that's up there. That's 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 the one. That's an yeah, because you scored at Orient in the game that sealed important the goals. I, I don't get many, but I get the important <laughs> ones. <laughs> Popped up with the first because I, I think uh, obviously we've spoken to a few of the guys who were around at that time, and Scott Goldborn I know has been on the podcast before, um, James Henry and a few of the others. Because it's the weirdest thing that you are crowned champions when you're on the bus on the way home because you were the early kickoff. Yeah, and yeah, we managed to celebrate a little bit on the way back. So. Uh, no, it was, a, it was a good day. I remember it. I remember it well. Lenny scores a, a, a good goal at the end there, and, and yeah, we get to uh, get to go up. So, how does that promotion celebration compare to your most recent promotion I don't know celebration? What you're about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've led you into that, haven't I? Um, you know, that one was a little bit quieter than my most recent one. Oh, yeah, if you, really? Any sort of social media would <laughs> lead you to believe. So yeah, so um, social are we going to speak about it? Or? Well, if social media had been around in 2009, would they have got the same pictures? Maybe from the championship winning team, not so much from the League One, I'd say. Come that's on. as far as I'll go. Because <laughs> th- that was a, a pretty epic 24 brilliant. hours. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, uh, 24 hours, no, it was more like 72 hours a week long. I mean, it, it, that, that celebration went on for a little bit longer. Um, the... Uh, the, my current team, or certainly from that last season, were um, yeah they were a good uh, a good drinking school that one. <laughs> I'm I'm just trying to go back through because your messages at the brink because I was messaging you. Yeah, the I time. mean you, you caught me at a moment of weakness, Mikey. It, it was brilliant though. <laughs> like you became like honestly, uh, there were so many fans that kind of loved you all the more for that. I know, but it gave me anxiety for about three days afterwards. I was waking up, I was like, oh my God, what have I done? I've, you know, it's, it's a shame that sort of, um, yeah, everyone's got a camera phone these days and you can't just enjoy the moment, but it's, it's kind of <laughs> endeared me to a lot of fans, I suppose, <laughs> as well. So the, the, You've got to enjoy it. I'm going to read some of the messages. Right? So I sent him a message saying, yes, lad, many congrats. And he replied, love you, big guy. And I went, ha, how, how, can I say pissed? Oh, I've said it now, anyway. How, how drunk is... Yeah, it's a bit of a rumor, isn't it? Um, how pissed are you? And he just replied... And then this was like about three hours later, he replies, not slept. Back in the big league, mate. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, I love it. And then it was just a series of emojis yeah. from the rest yeah. of your party celebration. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was good. I enjoyed myself. Maybe too much. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, it is what it is, isn't it? I might struggle to get a coaching job or, or something like post football, but it's uh, no, no, it's. Uh, it was, well, because you, you, you know, and it, it goes back to the thing that we were talking about in the first part of this about um, footballers being fans, and at times, like I, I genuinely think that there were fans that watched that and realised like how much it meant to you. 
at your at the stage of your career yeah i mean it, it was oh it's, it's everything rolled into one it's the joy it's it's the, the relief of getting over the line it's the the benefits that will come with it financially and, and career-wise that yeah. you know i'm back playing it it was all it was all kind of just rolled into one and and um just the euphoria mixed in with a little bit of alcohol and uh, being with the fans as well, you, you know, I, I like to have a good bit of interaction with people yeah. on, on my social media. Or you know, if if someone comes up and wants to speak about football, I'll speak all day and, and give you the time of day. And it was just everything rolled into one there, and I've just let myself go. And I've I've kind of tried to build a, a professional persona for the past <laughs> sort of five, six, seven years, and I've just dashed it in in one one video. But uh, it is what it is, isn't it? I, I mean, it's it's good times. It was absolutely sensational. Right, looms its rundown. Ready? Come on then. Best player you played with at Wolves? Best player I played with at Wolves. So it's hard to narrow it down past strikers. You know, you've got Seals goals, Fletcher's goals, Doyler's first season in the Prem, um, which I think goes a little bit unnoticed, but I will go for Helder Costa. I think he... Um, Everything about him was so good and his attitude and his work rate off the ball, which I really liked as well as all his plus points. So it's not quite worked out. Worst trainer at the club? Worst trainer at the club. Now, a lot of people have said Silv and I'm going to go with Silv, but if you had him in your 5-0 team, you, know, you remember when we used to do yep. worst, <laughs> worst trainer on the Friday if... Used to get the bib, the bib yeah. but you'd want Silva in your team because he'd score your goal, and then you was immune from the vote. So, yeah. still from Monday to Thursday, but Friday I'd want him in my team. <laughs> Good answer, yeah. Biggest moaner, biggest moaner, biggest moaner. Um, now, Carl gets a lot of stick, but I think it's because his standards. He wants his standards high, so I didn't mind his moaning too much. The biggest out and out moaner, though, for me was James Henry, the, the <laughs> most pessimistic guy I've ever met. He just hates life. He, <laughs> he, he would score an absolute worldie, and you'd be like, oh, "Lenny, like buzzing, like well done." He was like, oh, "I'll probably still get dropped next week." I'll do it. You know, he's, he's, he just moaned at everything, and yeah, I think he just enjoyed moaning. So, <laughs> Lenny. Brilliant. Uh, who was your best friend at Wolves? Best friend, I had I had a few, and I've still got a lot. We we're lucky that um, a lot of us live quite close to each other, kept in touch. I think Fletch and Rog in my first sort of era, uh, and then Danny and Scott Goldborn sort of in the the second time and first league one years. Yeah, best and worst dress sense. Um, best. Uh, you're quite sharp, big man. Um, <laughs> Loom's just nodded, by the way. Like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know really I nonchalantly, as if like, yeah, of course it was. Yeah. I'll tell you what, best dressed, I'd go Scott Goldborn, but yeah. on his first day, he wore in um, like a a shell suit, like a multicoloured shell suit. And you know, Scott is a sharp dresser yeah. and he was he was quite out there back in the day. So his, his gear got hung up on the first day. And I, we didn't see that gear again, but um, his He's very sharp. He evolved. Um, so I'll give it to him. Worst dress sense, I'd give it to Aaron McCary, who had some real, real bad stuff. Um, I remember he used to wear in this like polka dot T-shirt with like holes in. Um, like, oh, it was horrific. I'll give it Azza. But I love Azza. I love Azza. Yeah. I'll give it to Azza. <laughs> who was the funniest player you played with? 
Funniest player, Kev Mack, hands down. He's just wacky. <laughs> Funniest player I've, I've met in my career. Um, yeah, he's just he's just way out there. Um, I know Foles, Foles is very witty, very dry humour, humor, which um, I really enjoyed, but I'll go Kev Mack. Yeah, I agree with that, yeah. Uh, best player, uh, sorry, best manager you worked for? Uh, Mick, hands down, Mick. Uh, everything about him is man management, uh, the way he treats his players, uh, but I, pr- I probably played my better stuff under Kenny, so I'll, I'll give Kenny an honourable mention, but Mick, Mick McCarthy. Well, this one's going to be obvious. The best goal you scored? Best goal I scored, yet yeah, obviously Liverpool. Um, however, I did enjoy my one and only goal in the in the Premier League. Um, so that, that's something that no one can ever take away from me, yeah. that you know I'm in that club. So that um, those two. Uh, what was the best game you were involved in? Best game. I mean, yeah, it's hard for me not to speak about the Liverpool game, but there were so many good games along the way. Some that I didn't even play in. That you know, I was just a part of um, Derby away first year. Keo bangs two goals, and we're all celebrating. Um, crew, everyone coming on the pitch, uh, being promoted. I scored in the last get the last game of the season against Doncaster first year, and then all the big games that we beat in the Premier League. So. I'm going to give it to two Liverpool games um, when we beat them away in the league. One nil, Wardy scored, and my goal at goal at Anfield. Um, I'd give it to those two. Can just before you do the final one, an honourable mention to one that I I thought of the other day when I knew you were coming in um, was a game away at Cardiff in the season where you were um, Player of the Year, and I think we won one nil. Sacco scored. And you produced an unbelievable acrobatic goal line clearance pretty much in the last minute mm-hmm. to seal it. I remember, I think, did the ball loop out, looped over Kings? Yeah. yeah. I've had a couple of on on the line. Where was the one? Was it Bournemouth at home? And I end up uh, volleying the volleying the goalposts a couple of times as well. That would be on the internet somewhere. Um, but yeah, that was that was good. As the Leeds 4-3. Four, 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 three. Three, uh, 6-4 against Rotherham. There's been, I've been involved in some... Real good yeah. ones, some good, very good memories. I was giving you the benefit of the doubt for the one we kept a clean sheet in rather than the 6-4. Yeah, cheers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was your proudest moment at Wolves? Proudest moment, I've touched on it a little bit. When I, when I came back and the reception I got um, from everybody, um, ov- obvious ones are winning, winning leagues, etc., but my proudest one, I think, was the um, getting the Player of the Season award and Player's Player because for me, like Mikey alluded to before, you know, I I had sort of a turbulent time with the fans in the, you know, I wasn't a fan's favourite at the start possibly, and and you know, I'm probably not now, but I, you know, they we grew with each other, and to get that sort of recognition um, from fans and players. In, in one season and to be able to to stand on stage and, and give a speech and, and you know all eyes on me and me be able to to, to say that and, and thank people and you know kind of come full circle that that was by far my proudest proudest moment you've had two spells you're doing your coaching badges maybe a third in there <sighs> I'd never say never, and you know, I'd I'd love to be involved in some way, shape, or form with the club in the future. So, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm you know, I've 
done a couple of badges. I'm doing bits and pieces with you for the media, and you know, I'm just trying to keep keep my options open. And you know, I'd, I'd, um, it's certainly something I'd love to do in the future. Yeah. And he's still got sensational hair. Trying, hanging, hanging on in there. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Stearman, old gold club. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Old Gold Club, powered by Blythe Group. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and rating from wherever you get your podcasts. Wolves TV, the home of live uninterrupted radio commentary of every single Wolves game. But that's not all. Wolves TV also brings you extended and alternative match highlights, interviews with the team, behind-the-scenes features and training coverage, plus see every goal Wolves score from every angle. So check out Wolves TV online at wolves.co.uk or on the move via the Wolves app.